Welcome to Training for Godliness, where we take a few minutes to remind each other to stay focused on spiritual things during our daily walk with God. I'm your host, Paul Hammonds. Hi, everyone. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Training for Godliness. I appreciate everyone's patience as we went on what I guess you could call our summer break, but I'm hoping we'll be back on schedule now with more regular content the rest of the year. So I appreciate you sticking with us, and I hope you like or share our podcast. Uh, and be sure to visit our website at www.trainingforgodliness.net. We have some plans in the work for additional content for the website, and I'll keep you posted as that becomes available. But in the meantime, let's get back to our discussion. So today's talk is in many ways a message for myself. Because as you may or may not have noticed, we haven't done a podcast in a while. And it probably doesn't surprise you to know that podcast hosts struggle from the same problems that you do. And in many cases, when we talk about issues, we're talking to ourselves as much as we are to anyone else. And today's one of those days. Not surprisingly, the topic is procrastination. I've been telling my wife for the past month that I need to get back into the routine of going to the gym and getting back into regular podcast publishing and working on our house and on the yard. And a book project I've been thinking about for a while. Do you sense a pattern here? Does it sound familiar at all? Maybe I'm not the only one that has this issue. For me, at least, the problem has never been about finding a project to do. It's been about picking one and starting the work. And also finishing the work. But that's another story for another day. But I think one of the reasons we have trouble with this, why we put these projects off, is that we can easily become overwhelmed by our options. We've got so many things that we could be doing with our time. And as a result, we just don't do anything. If you've ever walked into a gym without having a clear workout plan, knowing exactly what you want to accomplish that day, what you want to do, and what your plan is, you probably experience that feeling of standing there, looking around you at all the equipment, and asking yourself where you even want to begin. And you may realize at one point that you spent more time walking around at the different stations than you have actually doing any work. I remember talking to a trainer once and having her tell me that the worst thing for her is to see people wandering around, overwhelmed by all their options to the point that they don't even know where to start. That happens in all aspects of our life, particularly when we become overwhelmed by information, instruction, advice, inspiration, warnings, and every other type of motivational messaging telling you what's wrong with your life, what's wrong with society, and what's wrong with government. Basically, everything is broken and everything needs to be fixed today. You may be getting stressed just listening to this. What do we do when we feel overwhelmed with choices, with problems to solve, opportunities to chase? We all know the answer, but sometimes we need to be reminded of it. The answer is pretty simple. We need to pick one. Jesus reminded Martha of that concept as she was expressing frustration at being overwhelmed with serving all the people in her house who were listening to Jesus teach, including her sister Mary. And Jesus told her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus' point obviously wasn't that we should never be concerned with a clean house or hospitality. The question involves priorities. When faced with a choice, which one do I pick? Which problem is more pressing? Which opportunity is more promising? We live in a world where it seems as if everything is on fire. Even when we live lives that are safer and easier than at any point in human history, Many of the problems faced today are there simply because we have the time, information, and liberty to see them as problems that can be actually addressed. And make no mistake, many of those problems need to be addressed. But where do I begin with addressing racial injustice, for example, corrupt social behavior, 
hatred and mistrust towards people who don't see the world as I do or who have different skin colors or nationality, a culture that seems to be spiraling out of control faster and faster every year. For Christians, the beginning is easy. It all begins with Jesus. We have been called to clothe ourselves in Christ, to look to Jesus for guidance and inspiration throughout every facet of our lives, through every persecution, every difficulty, every societal problem. We see his example of sacrifice, of love, of righteousness, of submission to God, and we strive to conform ourselves to that image every day. And if something doesn't accomplish that, then it's no longer a priority for us. The Apostle Paul said that whatever gain he had from this world, he counted now as loss for the sake of Christ. For his sake, Paul said, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. The chaos surrounding me is important only to the extent that it impacts my ability to seek Christ or to conform myself to that image. Because Jesus didn't call me so that I could fix the world. He called me so that he could fix me. And so I could go find other people, bring them to Jesus, so that Jesus can fix them too. It's about individuals. It's about touching and impacting and influencing the lives of the people we see every day. As Jesus described the life of a disciple, he said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Notice the phrase. Jesus is saying that your light, your influence, your behavior, your speech are to be used in such a way that not only do they produce good works, but that the one who sees them knows exactly where they come from. Our task is to show Christ in our lives. Our goal is to glorify God as a result of that. I don't show Christ in my life by engaging in works that point people to any solution other than Jesus. Even the best intentions that offer worldly solutions or place worldly leaders at the forefront are ruled out because they are not part of the one thing we are called to pursue in this life. Maybe that makes our choice a little easier when we know we need to do something in response to the present distress. I don't work through a movement. I don't work through a human organization. I don't try to convert people to a government solution or anything that leads people to any other conclusion but that we need to entrust our lives to God. I can't control the world, nor should I try. I can't compel people to change their hearts any more than I can force them to obey the gospel. But if I'm focusing my energies on changing the behavior of people I will never meet in this lifetime, then I'm doomed to failure and frustration. So my options, the tools at my disposal, the exercise equipment I'm going to commit to using every time I step into the gym, are about dealing with individuals in such a way that they can see that no matter what the world is doing around me, I'm at peace. I'm living a life driven by love, kindness, sacrifice, and godliness. And I do that because I have a Savior who died for me and gave me hope of something better than the corruption surrounding us in this life. That's how we avoid spending our time chasing vain pursuits and start truly training for godliness. Thanks for listening this week. We'll see you again soon.